Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Float, Odyssey, Telegram, Twitch, and on Thursday nights, the Prepper Broadcast Network. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim, and tonight is June 23rd, 2022, and this is episode 131 of the workshop podcast. I see we've got uh, Mr. Dixon, Chris Dixon in here so far, and Brian from the Lots Project. Howdy, howdy. So tonight we are going to be talking about turning anxiety into action. With all the chatting lately that's been going on about the potential rolling blackouts this summer, I thought I had to deal with this before I dealt with all the other things that I wanted to deal with. So real quick before we dive in, thank you, Chris. He likes the new thumbnails. I appreciate that. Always got to get the housekeeping out of the way. First off, where it's Thursday night, do not forget to support Prepper Broadcast Network. There is a ton of great content over there. If you haven't added them to your prep, to your pod catcher, please do that. There is the Next Generation Podcast, the Matter of Facts Guys, the Patriot Power Hour, and of course, my buddy who follows me after tomorrow on the network is The Strange Truth with Carl A.D. Brown. So please check that out. The link is in all of the descriptions, no matter where you're listening to it. Howdy, Snail Creek. How are you? So what else? Uh, this week, there's all kinds of things. Uh, tune in Saturday night for the weekly update of the This Week in the Workshop. So we had a video hit 1 million views over on TikTok. I, actually, it's 1.1 million as we went in tonight. Pretty crazy. Uh, approaching 3,000 followers over there. So I'm, I'm learning this as fast as I can with it and seeing how best to use it and utilize it. It seems to be working quite well so far. Hey, it's just another place to put out some cool content. So check it out. If you're looking for that link, once again, in the audio or all of the different video feeds, it'll be in the description. And of course, do not forget the Canadian Coffee Company at under canadiancoffeecompany.ca. If you're Canadian and you want to support what we do, that is the easiest way to do it. And also, there's a little bit of workshop merch over there. I got a bunch more in the pipeline. It's going to be a few weeks, a few months on the go. White North Forge 5x5 on Twitch. Yes, we are now officially on Twitch as well. Haven't done much with it yet, but I want to be in all the places. Liberty says all good on the Telegram stream. I appreciate it, guys. And today's tool, you guys, we had a good conversation earlier today in the Telegram group. If you've never checked out the Thermocell Mosquito Repeller, man, I love that thing. We sit out at night on our covered deck. We've got three of them out there, but you really only need one. It's just a little butane powered with a uh, an insecticide repellent pad on it. It heats up. Works great. So if you're looking for a recommendation, those things are dirt cheap. The refills aren't as cheap. I actually successfully refilled a uh, butane tube today. So we're going to see practicing. We're going to make some new videos on that as well. But if you're looking for that, it is absolutely linked in the description and pinned tonight in the live chat. We got a good size crowd in here already. Uh, we got hogs on here. Good topic says, Hey Tim. Okay. So with all that out of the way, try to get it done as quick as possible. So this is going to be one of those back to the basics episodes, but it's stuff we can all learn from. And I wanted to design this episode tonight as something that is shareable. Uh, it could go a little shorter than normal. I won't make any promises, but it, uh, I really, what I wanted to focus on because I do not like the fear a lot. Hey, Rachel Brown, a lot of people come to prepping 
out of a fear, whatever it happens to be, whether it was Y2K, 9-11, the 2008, whatever. You know, we've all talked about it, right? Now, fear can be a great short-term motivator, but it is a hell of a bad long-term motivator. Matter of fact, it's the best way to get turned off from something is when your fear doesn't come true, eventually you got to let it go. But short-term fear can be crippling. It can be, you know, anxiety in general can just beat the hell out of you. And I don't want that to happen. What I want us to be as a community, what I want any individual listening to this to be is people of action. Anxiety can be there. It can be something that you, uh, that maybe gives you that little kick in the ass or a little fire under your butt to get you started. But the key is not to stay there because that's the worst part. You get stuck in that fear and it can be miserable. So over the last month, this is where it all came from. And for the record, I have got so many topics coming up that I want to talk about. So many things. But this was at the top of the pile. This one had to be de dealt with first. Uh, if you go through my, I get, of course, you know, notifications of all my YouTube comments on a regular basis. Try to respond to absolutely all of them. Uh, I'm not completely swamped with them, so I do the best I can. But I just picked a couple of them right quick here for you. Uh, the first one was on one of my generator videos. It says, uh, we really need a generator here in California for the coming more than likely power outages. And the next one is, I've been looking at generators for almost a year since our wonderful governor here in California have been have promised that there's going to be blackouts. And if you just scroll through, there's comment after comment after comment of blackouts or people worried about the potential blackouts. Now, I'm not a news guy, but it doesn't. you don't have to go very far to have caught a picture or a glance at that graphic that the news and social media has had everywhere. It's a picture of the U.S. map and Canada, sorry, North American map. And it's this scary graphic that shows almost two-thirds of the continent, or at least the U.S. anyhow, painted up with the potential for blackouts this summer. Now, first off, guys, there's always the potential for blackouts. Now, I'm not trying to downplay this, but we always know that if the media or social media or whatever, hey, Nate, is pushing a graphic or a story, there always has to be more behind it. Now, I'm not saying that what they're talking about isn't a possibility, but what I'm saying is the more information, the more knowledge we have, the more, <laughs> the less room we have for uh, the fear of the unknown. So what we're going to try to do tonight is fill up our brain with knowledge and knock out that little bit of anxiety that's there. Uh, we got hogs coming up. Uh, Haas, Haas, I'm going to call it Haas. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. It says, yep, I'm in California too. And we got the notice a couple of weeks ago talking about summer blackouts from PG&E. So I'm going to do the best. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of common sense things that we can do that'll hopefully help eliminate some of this. And if you're already here, it's a good chance that you at least have some interest or again, you might be a little bit nervous or scared about it. So we're going to do what we can. Okay. So right from here, like I said, you've all seen that graphic and it says, oh, two thirds of the U.S. has the chance of uh, above normal or rolling blackouts this summer, right? It gets thrown around, it scares the hell out of us. And then a lot of people who might be new to emergency preparedness or somebody who just sees it, they, they remind me of my son. When he was younger, he'd go into a store, if he had money in his pocket, it didn't, he, he almost felt bad leaving without spending money. We always used to joke, my wife and I would say, Mac would be like, he'd go into the store and be like, here, take my money, take my money. And he'd, you know, try to throw his money at whatever he could buy, right? 
and whenever someone comes with this new anxiety of say these rolling blackouts the first instinct is to throw money at something because in north america what do we want to do if we have a problem if we have a fear if we just throw enough money at it you know if we just throw enough money at the roads the roads will be fixed if we just throw enough money at potential power outages we can feel better about ourselves but I want to tell you, first thing we got to do is knowledge, then we're going to talk about skills, and then at the very end, we'll talk a little bit about money, but we're going to get it in the right order here. So the first thing I want to talk about is where that damn graphic came from to begin with, because of course, all they like to do is put up that one little graphic of the, of the map and say, here, look, power outages everywhere. Everybody in the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, we all know there's shit going on, right? So that actually comes from, and I'm going to read this because it's a mouthful, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation 2022 Summer Reliability Assessment. Now, did you notice that? 2022? So this isn't something that was just randomly done this year out of fear because, oh man, we know there's going to be bad shit happening and we need to deal with it. Nope. If you go back, you can find the Electric Reliability Summer Reliability Assessment for every year going way back. So first off, this is something that's done on a regular basis to recognize the potential for issues in the electric grid long before they happen. So hopefully the electric, the electric companies can figure out workarounds and solutions that these problems won't be as bad. But of course, that's not as scary as 75% of the U.S. has a chance of... Anyway, so we're going to move on from there. But that, first off, this is a report that's done every year. So... I know fear sells, but I'm going to try to knock the hell out of the fear here. So from there, like I said, it's a yearly graphic. Now, the identified potential rolling blackouts have been an issue since 2018. So it's not like it hasn't been an ongoing issue. It's just all of a sudden, this is the issue du jour that the news is trying to push. Now, I'm not trying to downplay any of this, but that's how it goes. I remember, oh, about a decade or so ago... It seemed like every time you turned on CNN or, you know, CTV Newsnet up in Canada, there was another story about kidnappings. It just seems to be the absolute, it was the story. It led every friggin' newscast. And if you, if you didn't know, you would think there was an absolute epidemic of kidnappings, except that year kidnappings were actually down. So again, they want us to, they want us to pay attention. We're going to deal with the actual facts of this. Like Nate says, if it bleeds, it leads. The name of a Stephen King short story and a well-known uh, saying from the news industry, because unfortunately, that's what it is. So I dug into this report. I flipped through it. It's mostly pictures. So even a CNN broadcaster or anyone else could read this and dissect it. But typically, most places don't. So here is the reasons that they're predicting certain issues this summer. The first is a 1.7% increase in demand. Apparently, an increase in demand most years is fairly common. Number two, there's a key transmission line out of service in need of repair that, is be, that has been taken out of service for repairs. So again, a known issue, but something that has to be dealt with. The drought conditions, those have made hydroelectric generation less effective than normal. And <laughs> Chris says, du jour is French for of the day, if you didn't know. Yes, that is very true. I have to figure out what the Spanish for that is as well. Now, the one that everybody is worried about is all that stuff from, you know, overseas. Now, they 
This was written in May, so it's not like it was written a year ago, but they expect very minimal disruptions actually due to supply line issues. So that's a bonus. So like I said, an increase in demand, a key transmission line is out of service and the drought conditions making hydro generation more difficult. So those are the issues. Now, the thing is, that graph looks scary. I dug it apart. I looked at the different states they're talking about. The ones where the actual risk is, is mostly in the Midwest, north to south. So it's Arkansas, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, the Dakotas, and Wisconsin. And there's four other states that have less than 25% of their land mass being affected. So that's the area. Of course, once again, everybody sees that or hears that and thinks, okay, there's going to be rolling blackouts absolutely everywhere, right? And uh, Nate says, Con uh, ComEd here is threatening shutting down the Byron nuclear plant in Illinois as well. Oh, I should do an entire episode on why I think nuclear might be the answer. But anyway, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. So here's the thing, guys. First off, we should be prepared for power outages on a regular basis. Snail Creek says Indiana here. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. I mean, it is what it is, right? But I wanted to tear this report apart so that first off, we know, okay, it's not the entire US. It, this is the area that they're most concerned about. It's the area that's in the high risk category, okay? So, but that being said, of course, we need to be prepared for power outages at all times. But getting this information behind all of this is a huge start. Again, that's what we're trying to do. Knock that fear out, get some knowledge in there. Because when we start understanding things, we tend to be not so scared. And this goes for whether we're seasoned preppers or someone new who's just listening to the workshop podcast today for the first time because the news told me there's going to be power outages everywhere and I need to be prepared. Now, we start, where the hell do we actually start, right? So we know the we know the actual risks, or at least we have an understanding of where these risks are supposed to be, right? Okay, now, things we can do before a potential power outage. The cool thing about everything we're going to talk about tonight is all of this stuff will make your life better, whether there's a power outage or not, and it'll make your life better when you have a weather-induced power outage, which is much more common and much more likely in a lot of areas than scary potential rolling brown or blackout, sorry. All right, so let's start. Now, the cool thing is most of these are dead simple to do. Number one, and this is one I just recently did. Some are more reliable than the others, but find your local power supplier and sign up for either email or text alerts. Texts are great because, of course, they get sent over the SMS system, which works even if, say, your Wi-Fi happens to be out. But sign up for text alerts so that it's going to, that's the first thing you need to know. Again, information, right, guys? We all know this. So find out when, if there are any, I mean, you can contact your company too. Give them a call and find out, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But get on that list so that they're going to send you notifications if the power happens to be out or more importantly how long they expect the power to be out and when they expect it to be restored again information is key if you're sitting there at home in the dark and you have absolutely no idea what's going on you're going to be more nervous and more likely to make dumbass mistakes if you don't know so start with that that's simple number two more information find out where your emergency cooling shelters are in your area 
So if something happens that you're not prepared yet, the next thing you need to know is, okay, is the local fire station going to be running cooling stations? Or can I go to the local hospital and sit there and cool down? Something simple, but you need to know. And there's going to be a list. If you're not sure, call your local town or um, state offices or call your local power generation air, uh, companies. They're going to tell you. They're going to let you know. Okay, this is where you go in an emergency. And this is the type of thing that you're going to need to know in the wintertime too. If the power goes out. The cooling stations are probably also going to be the warming stations because these are the places that have backup power. This is stuff you need to know. Number three, something else that's easy and doesn't cost anything. Make a list of all the essential. And when I say essential, I mean the bare essential items that you need to have when the power's out, that you need to have running or that you would like to have running that isn't going to cause you catastrophic damage if the power does go out. So that is things like, hey, Aaron, how are you? Fridge, freezer. Say you got a CPAP machine, an air conditioner, or a fan, things that you absolutely have to have running. Um, if you live in an area with rain, with a lot of water in a basement, you might need to have a submersible pump running as well to make sure you don't end up with flooding. Okay, you've made a list now, right? Now, number four. I might have this one out of order, but we're going to deal with it anyway. Practice a power outage ahead of time. So again, if the first time you're trying to deal with a power outage is when an actual power outage has happened, we're doing something wrong. So whether you actually go down in the basement and flip your breaker off for an hour and say, okay, we're going to practice a power outage plan, or we're going to turn the power off and we're going to see what did we really need? What could we have done different? That kind of stuff. But if you practice ahead of time, when the power actually goes out, or if they actually have to turn things off for a rolling blackout, for instance, you're going to be prepared, or at least mentally, you've already going to have taken a few steps to know, okay, this is what we can do, right? Now, number five, this is another one. All of these are dead simple. And this is the type of stuff I want to empower you guys with dead, simple suggestions that will hopefully take a lot of that anxiety out of you. Keep your phones charged all the time. It's just like I say, you know, don't let your gas tank go below half. I did that today. Um, we were driving around the city, didn't realize. Anyway, just letting you know, sometimes I don't do it either. But keep your phones charged all the time. So don't let them go below half. All the lithium-ion batteries are totally fine with that. But yeah, don't let your phones get too low. Keep them charged all the time because it's a hell of a lot easier to deal with a power outage if your phone's already charged than if your power goes out and you don't or and you have to charge your phone right nate says shutting the power off and playing radio is fun <laughs> talking about hams i guess he said i do that when aaron heads out of town absolutely i love it i've done it before too uh chris says funny thing about preparedness it takes practice runs to work out the kinks so you're ready to be ready yes it doesn't just take the stress out of it it also builds muscle memory and it also again the best time to make mistakes and frig up is when the stress isn't real. Induced stress so that you can put yourself in these scenarios so that you know, okay, hey, I can do this. Or, damn it, I fell apart. Where can I fix it, right? Okay, number six. Now, make a list of everything you've already got on hand. So again, this doesn't cost you anything. We're starting to see a pattern here, aren't we? So go around and say, okay, I've got blankets. Now you might say, Tim, what the hell do I need blankets for? This is the middle of summer. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> I might already have some extension cords. I might have some three-way power splitters or power bars. I probably have a power brick or 12 for my phones. And you might be surprised what else you can charge off of those USB power bricks. 
have some of those. Maybe you have an old one-room AC unit you don't use anymore, but it's in the basement, or you have one. Okay, that's a, an item on your list as well. Okay, maybe you have some box fans or some desk fans. Again, that's something you know you already have. Maybe you have an uninterruptible power system or power supply, sorry. That's like one of those battery boxes that plugs into your computer. Those can be harnessed for things as well. Make a list of everything you have on hand that's going to make your life a bit easier when and if the power goes out. Now this one, I'm pretty sure this tip came from Brian at the Lots Project. So I want to give, I think it was, and if it wasn't, it might have been Letty. Anyway, I don't want somebody else. Anyway, I just want to give you guys credit. But fill up all the unused space in your deep freeze with bottled water, whether that's one gallon jugs, empty pot bottles, or cases of bottled water. That's going to give you a couple of things. That's going to give you a, a much bigger thermal mass in your freezer so that it's going to take a lot longer for the stuff in your freezer to warm up when the power goes out. Then you also have uh, water that's going to be cold. You have stored drinking water, which is great as well. Uh, Nate says, did we mention the LED Christmas lights hooked up to an inverter for lighting? I don't know if we did yet or not, but you can actually run LED Christmas lights off of almost very little at all. So those are great accent lighting or very, you know, dead simple emergency lighting. And of course, my favorite tip, buy them after Christmas when they're 75% off and then just throw them in the drawer or have them up there wherever you need them. But they're great. Now, number eight, this is yet another one. Now, this might sound costly, but it really isn't once you realize it. But keep your gas tank as full as possible all the time. Now, it doesn't take, it doesn't cost any more to keep a tank full than empty once you filled it the first time, right? And uh, yes, that is, yeah, Aaron said that LED light was the first tip they ever got from me. I love that one. And Brian, yes, score on the water, ball, water bottle tip. Proud of you, man. No. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Nate says, if you have empty space in your freezers, we all have problems. Yes. So here's the thing. Once you filled your gas tank, you're going to burn the same amount of gas, right? Now, I know gas is expensive, but the cost of the gas really doesn't matter. It's the usage of your gas. And if you need gas to drive, just pretend that your empty line is your full line. And every time you get down below it, at least when you get to half a tank, fill it back up again. I know that can be a little tougher when things are tight. I'm speaking from experience. But if you get in the habit of just always topping up your gas every time you use it, you're always going to have a full tank of gas. And that is going to be much more important when we get into the second section of what we're talking about today. Maybe even the third section, we'll get into that, right? Um, yeah, so Chris Dixon says, this is a great one, you get three hours from a standard DeWalt cordless battery to run a small string of LEDs. Three, yeah, I mean, that's great. Because here's the thing about lights. I mean, open your curtains. That's that's a simple thing. But if it's day, daytime, open your curtains. You don't need light. Three hours is probably all the artificial light you're going to need in the summertime, maybe less even, uh, to be able to see. Because, of course, you're going to go to bed at a decent, or at whatever time it happens to be. But three hours, or if you've got some a bunch of DeWalt batteries around, I never really put that in there tonight, but harness anything you have stored already. Now, that is things to do before the power goes out. Now, this is things to do once the power goes out. Now, here's the thing. The first one is don't panic. Take a deep breath, relax, get your bearings, and then formulate a plan. Don't go all 
you know, chicken with your head cut off, running around thinking, what in the hell am I going to do? Take a breath, relax, focus, and then start making a plan. That's where we start. If we can do that, we can move on with success from there. Now, here's another one. And again, I hope you realize everything I've shared with you so far are really, really simple. We're going to talk about it some more. Don't open your fridge or freezer. I mean, if you absolutely have to open your fridge, open it, but don't. The longer you keep it closed, the longer the things in there are going to stay cool. The area inside the fridge and fridges and freezers in general are well insulated because they want to be energy efficient. If you keep them closed, they're going to hold that temperature a lot longer than if you keep opening them. So if you have a teenager that keeps going, oh, I need something to eat, send them to the pantry, make them open the cupboards, but don't let them open the fridge unless you have to, okay? Now, here's another thing. Try to stay cool the best you can. Now, stay indoors out of the sun. Drink cold water if you can, or at least water in general. Stay in the shade. Fan yourself, whatever you whatever you can do. But do your best to stay out of the direct sun because, of course, now you're like, oh, Tim, you're, you know, you're living up in Canada. Well, it gets to 40 degrees Celsius here. It was like 110 Fahrenheit last summer. So we do get some heat, not nearly as long or as sustained as you guys do. So, but do whatever you can to stay cool. Have a plan in place ahead of time. Now, another thing, most of you probably know this, but if you're on municipal water, you're not going to lose water when the power goes out. Everything there is pressurized and good to go for a long time. And they tend to have backup power as well. But if you're on municipal water, you're not going to lose water, at least not right away. Okay. Now, if you need to cook, eat something out of a can, eat something out of a box. Don't cook something on a gas top stove or, you know, um, whatever you happen to have, and then introduce more heat into the house. All of this is being talked about during the summer because that's, you know, a peak time of electricity use. So, you know, open a box, open a can, whatever it happens to be. If you got to open your fridge quick, open it up and make yourself a sandwich, <laughs> right? Now, all of these, again, remember, what we're talking about are these potential rolling blackouts. They're not supposed to be, you know, um, weather-induced ones like they had in Ontario, where they were nine days without power. These are the type of things that are planned, and certain areas are going to lose power for short periods of time. So the idea is, is to weather these storms metaphorical storms, of course, as smoothly as we can, but not to lose our collective minds over them, right? Now, if they're going to be a little bit longer, this is where those blankets come in hand. Wrap your fridge and your freezer in blankets. That's going to help insulate it. I mean, to be honest, the freezer is probably good for a solid day before you have to worry about it anyway. But if you wrap them in blankets to begin with, you're going to be better off. You're going to be adding to the insulation level. It's going to be that much harder for that cold air to escape just simple things, right? But when the power comes back on, remember to take those blankets off because that heat needs to go somewhere. When your compressor starts cooling, the byproduct is hot air, warmth, so it needs to escape or it's not going to work. Uh, Rachel Brown said, growing up in PA, we always had kerosene heaters, candles, and a gas stove and oven in winter. Yeah, that those kind of things. That was always a big thing, right? Um, oh, here we go. And Nate says... Um, if you live in a municip uh, municipality with a well, we are constantly being texted when power drops out in town to not use it. Yes, sir. I've never lived in a municipal area like that. I mean, ours are on wells here too, but we have great big holding tanks that are pressurized. But yeah, I can see that. Hmm, 
That is, I, so I guess there are areas where you might want to be concerned. So again, a quick phone call to your local municipality or your town office will let you know, hey, if the power goes out, do I need to worry about water? Then you'll change your plans accordingly. Again, the whole knowledge thing, right? Now, here's something else. Check on your neighbors, okay? So if you, all of these things are, are simple, but again, we got to look out for our neighbors too. If you've got elderly neighbors or infirmed people, just go knock on the door and say, hey, are you, are you doing okay? You know, if the power's out for an hour or two, everybody's probably doing all right. But if it's going to be long extended periods, take a minute and go check on your neighbors. And in the wintertime, it could be as simple as, hey, I got a cup of coffee. You want a cup of coffee? That kind of stuff, right? Now, here's the next one. This is probably one of my favorites, and it's just the geek in me. But you always want to do, after a power outage, or, you know, once the power outage finishes, do an after-action report or an after-incident report, whatever you want to call it. So the first thing you want to do is what went right. Because you want to pat yourself on the back. You want to start off with the good things. Well, first off, I knew where my flashlights were. They were in the drawer next to my bed, and I was happy. <laughs> we had artificial light. Or we hooked up the LED bulbs to the DeWalt battery. And again, I did great. Or, hey, I had my deep freeze full of all these water bottles. Again, I did great. Now, what went wrong? Well, when the power went out, I was lazy and didn't have my phone charged. And it was down to 4%. And it died before I could get the um, notifications from the power company. Hmm, that's a check mark in the negative. So you want to know, okay, what did I do wrong? What can I do right next time? And again... I also couldn't charge my phone. So first, my, my phone went dead because I couldn't plug it in. Number two, the backup battery pack that I normally use, the kids took on the road trip, brought it back, but it's dead. And they didn't tell me and I didn't charge it. Again, what went wrong? Now, next, what do I need to get? Huh, do I not have any batteries? Maybe, maybe the new flashlight my wife got me for Christmas takes AAA batteries and I didn't have any on hand. Okay. Something simple. Next time I go to Costco, I'm going to buy one of them big ass packs of 48 AAA batteries for a buck 50. Oh no, that's not that cheap, but you know. So what are the things I need? Make a list. Put all this on paper so you remember or put it in a notepad on your phone. That's where I like, you know, so at least I, if I lose it, it's lost in the electronic ether. Um, and then what can I do different? Just because something worked doesn't mean there isn't a better way to do it, right? Maybe I spent a whole bunch of time hooking up LED lights when it would have just been simpler to open the curtains. Now, again, opening the curtains sometimes might introduce more heat, might make it hotter. Or maybe I could open a couple of windows and get a cross breeze and run a box fan on medium off of a DeWalt battery. I don't know, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the after action plans, no matter what it is, whether it's when you run your generator, whether it's uh, maybe when you uh, went to drive... <laughs> somewhere in the wintertime and got stuck, think about, you always want to look at these situations. Okay, what did I do right first? And then what did I do wrong? And what can be different next time? What can I improve? That's the big thing, right? Mark Kroger, hey, who is this from over on Facebook? Good to have you. He said, maybe you've already covered this, but I'm shopping for a generator. Any suggestions, gas, electric, uh, just starting this prepping stuff and knowledge. So Mark, it, number one, I, I love your uh, your thumbnail there. That's great. And I will deal with this question. I'm going to star this question because we are getting really close to this exact thing. And if you want to give me some more specifics here in just maybe five, 10 minutes, I will dive into this question greatly because we're getting really close. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you dropping in and asking this because that's a good one. So here's the thing. Okay. So those very first two sections that I talked about 
we went through, let's see, we had nine there, eight there. So 17 tips of what to do before and what to do during power outages. Did you notice none of those cost anything? It was all knowledge, skills, handling the things I already have on hand, making a plan, reviewing that plan, and then doing an after action plan. All of that stuff was free. It was just time and practice. That's what I love. So all of that first. So I just give you 17 little tips that you can do that don't cost you anything or very, very little that'll make you way, way more prepared for the potential of rolling blackouts than probably 90% of North Americans. Okay, so that's where we started. Now, of course, the thing that we always ask, everybody always says, well, I want to throw money at it. How do I solve it, right? So first off, the first thing you do is don't throw money at something right away. Do these other things first. Start building up some skills and a plan. Okay, we've got that out of the way. Now, where do we start? The next thing is I want to spend some money or I need to spend some money because you mentioned earlier, Tim, all of those items like fridge and freezer, CPAP machine. Well, I can't run that off a DeWalt battery. So I need a plan. I have to buy something or I, I need to pick something up that's going to allow me to do this. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make a budget and we're going to figure out what, you know, you and the missus or you and the mister or, or you, whoever it happens to be, how much you can spend from your household that you can afford that won't leave you short. So you need to know what you can spend on these preps. So you might want to run out and spend your entire paycheck. Hey, Martinson family, good to have you on a brand new generator. Now, that might be good, or maybe you've saved up your, I don't know, your empty cans and bottles and you have that money, but maybe you don't. Maybe you've only got $150 this month to spend on it. So first off, you need to know how much you can spend and then go ask permission from your, your wife and make sure it's okay or, you know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> and then the next thing we're going to do is look at your priorities. So, you know, this is how much money I have to spend now. What is the most important thing that I want to, that I need to be able to run, that I want to be able to spend a little bit of money on, right? So here's where it gets simple. And Mark, this might be something for you to look at to start with. We're going to, I'm going to touch on this first and then we'll deal with full scale generators. Okay. So here's a couple of things. Number one, CPAP machine. They only require about 60 watts an hour. That's something you could run off of one of those little 500 watt camping battery packs. Now, I've got a friend, uh, actually a customer that has a couple of those that's going to lend them to me. I'm going to do some testing on them down the road. But if you have a CPAP machine, 60 watts an hour, an eight-hour sleep, 480 watts, so a 500-watt battery pack would work. You'd be able to run it for one night just on one of those little solar generators, whatever. I, I don't even know what they exactly... I don't know if they've settled on a name yet, right? Now, that that's just something... That's a medical device. That is of utmost importance. Then the next thing, of course, is, hey... I'd like to be cool. So maybe I want to run an AC unit. Maybe I want to run, maybe I want to run. Here's the thing. And I love this. And when I first heard this concept, I was like, why is that so damn simple? Say I want to run an AC unit, a fridge and a freezer. Okay. Well, you're like, well, Tim, that's, you know, a couple of thousand Watts. You can't run that off of, hang on a second. Okay. So first off a, an AC unit, most of the new ones that are made now running is around 500 Watts. So that's less than you think. A fridge running is around 800 watts and a freezer is around 400. But here's the thing. 
we don't have to run them all at once. So we don't need to have a 5,000 watt generator, at least if you're just getting started, to run every item in your house. You don't need a whole home backup generator if you're just getting started on this thing. This is where we want to start. Something simple. Keep it simple, stupid, right? I'm the stupid one, not you guys. So here's the thing, and this is the best advice I've heard from anybody. If you're just getting started or you have a small budget, get yourself an inverter, okay? So if you've got a generator, or if you have a vehicle parked in your driveway, then you have a thirty dollars or $40,000 generator sitting in your driveway. If you go and get yourself a 1500 watt, 1500 running watt inverter, now that's the type of thing that needs to be hooked up directly to your battery. So, and it's simple, it's not difficult. So just, you know, watch a video on YouTube, figure out how to do it. You just, you know, if you can run a wrench, you can hook it up. It's pretty easy. Now, that is 1,500 running watts. Most of them will peak out at 2,000 to 3,000 quickly. So for things like anything with a compressor, like a fridge, a freezer, or an AC unit, they're going to spike a little bit higher. Hey, Hunter, how are you? But the thing is, that 1,500 is running watts. So here's the cool thing. You can run an AC unit, 500 watts, whatever it is, off that inverter. Run that for three or four hours to cool a room down. Because again, we're going to focus on... If, if you're just getting started, just keeping one area, the, the area you're staying in, cool. That's all you need. So you're not going to be running your central air unit, but pick a bedroom or a living room that can be closed off and have a single window unit AC. Run that off your inverter. Now, the thing is, your fridge don't need to run all the time. Your freezer probably only needs to run once a day. Hook your fridge up two, three times a day, run it for half an hour, cool it back down, and then you're all set cycle through things. If you got a sump pump as well, cycle through them. So run your air conditioner for three hours, get your room good and cold, then go out, swap things around. Because if you're not in that room and you're going to swap things around, run your fridge for a half hour, run your freezer for a half hour. You're all set. Nate has a 3000, ah, yes. So <laughs> a 3000 watt uh, modified sine wave and generator, uh, sorry, inverter, says he needs to get a pure sine wave. Now, Hunter, this is a great tip. Walmart has a thousand watt inverter for about $100 USD. That's perfect. That's great. And a thousand is probably enough. As long as it'll peak at say 15 to 2000, you're golden. So that's a good start. That's a really, really good way to start out just having some backup power, right? And again, I, I mentioned before, keep your tank full and you're going to have some built-in power there, right? Don't have to run everything at once. Cycle through things. Really, really simple. So like I said, charge up your battery pack. So maybe you got one of those little camping things as well. Do that, right? Only cool one room at a time. Keep the curtains closed. Put some blankets up there. Whatever you need to do, but run that air conditioner in there so you don't have to worry about it as much. Now, here's uh, Mark. So Mark says, I have, uh, I live in a house, but I have to move out come November 1st. Renting. Might be living in a community camp or prefer not another rental, but possible. Looking for an all-purpose, possibly in the $500 range, but could do more. All right, I'm going to save that and we will, we'll do a deep dive here in just a few minutes. So here's, okay. Now, I want to throw a few facts at you. Now, not all of this is 100% pertinent to rolling blackouts. But all of this is 100% pertinent to your typical average power outage, okay? The average power outage in North America, anybody want to guess? I'm going to, before we, uh, yeah. So anybody out there, if you want to guess how long the average power outage is in North America, throw it up in the comments here. 
uh, oh, um, over on Toolman, um, over on Telegram, I was asked, is the Walmart inverter a pure sine wave inverter? Hunter, if you could let me know, if you happen to know that, if you don't know, that's okay. And guys, I forgot to mention that. If you're looking for inverter, try to find something that puts out a pure sine wave inverter, a pure sine wave. So when you're looking at a pure sine wave, it is uh, really, really smooth. And that's the best thing you have for your electronics because a lot of electronics won't run off that. So Snail Creek is the winner. The average power outage in North America is two hours in length. Uh, Otter over on Telegram, I will try to find that out for you and I will put a link there. Um, no problem. Yeah, oh, Hunter's going to check. We'll get back to you. So yes, if you're looking for one, try to buy one that is a pure sine wave because then you're going to be able to run everything on it. You're going to be able to charge your batteries. It's not going to cause any damage to any of your electronics either. Or your electronics are just not going to run off them because the... Um, dirty power kind of looks like lightning waves or just it's all over the place a little bit whereas the pure sine wave is just the typical wave you would see pictured anywhere okay so you guys got that so here's the thing the average power outage in north america is two hours long so that means that half of all power outages in north america are two hours or less so of course when we prep we prep for the most common the most the most likely thing to happen so 50% of the time you're going to be looking at a two hour or less power outage okay now the average power user in North America experiences eight hours of interrupted power a year so four power outages that's not the end of the world but again of course things can be worse but we want to prep for the things that are the most common now when we were talking about running things off of inverter from a car battery the average car can idle for 33 hours on a full tank of gas and much longer if you cycle things on and off. Because again, remember what I said, cycle things. So if you run your car for an hour, turn it off for an hour, you're going to get, what's that a day? Three full days of backup power off a full tank of gas. Cycle things, all of a sudden, you're in way better shape than most other people simply because you went to Walmart and bought yourself a $100 power inverter. So it's a good place to start, right? Because we already have some extension cords. We can run what we need off them. Now, this is just the peaks. We're only There's so much I could delve into here. We're not going to deal with tonight, but that, that's a really, really good place to start, okay? Now, if you've got that dealt with, then we can look at some of the longer-term outages that we might be concerned about because... Now, not sure, but I, I don't know what the typical rolling blackout would be, how long that would be, but my guess would be maybe a, a quarter of a day or a third of a day. But if anybody knows, throw it up in the comments. But again, if we're prepared for a two-hour outage, the most common two power outage you're going to have, that's a good start. Now, where do we go from there? So you might say, okay, I already have an inverter, or I want to spend a little more because... I'm at the point where I'd really like to be prepared for, say, a day-long power outage or a couple of days, right? Now, the thing is, here's the thing. <laughs> this is why we called uh, preparedness, because um, being prepared is doing something ahead of time, right? Because here's some more comments that I got. I told you guys that recently they had a really nasty storm in Ontario, and some people were a week and a half without power. Uh, so here's the first one. After losing power for nine days in the middle of Ottawa, having no backup, we are looking at purchasing a generator. <laughs> uh, again, we probably should have something before this shit happens. 
Not, I'm not slamming on anybody. I'm just saying, I'm trying to show you some of this desperation or a little bit of anxiety that some people had because they didn't prepare ahead of time. Next one. Uh, I was lucky enough to get one of the last six generators in all of Ottawa today. They actually sold out just after I did. I had to go to Gatineau to get one, which is, from what I understand, really close to Ottawa. Number three, I'm having issues having a company install a natural gas hookup on the side of our house. I'm in Ontario, Canada. Again, all of these would be things that would have been better to be done before the power outage, because after the power outage, everybody's looking for a generator. Everybody's looking for a natural gas guy to hook up their natural gas, all of that, right? So here's the thing. This is beforehand, and this is back to, to Mark. He wants to know how to pick out a generator, what to pick out. So first, the three things we need, hold up four fingers, Tim. Yeah, the three things, oh, uh, Hunter, oh, tw okay, that was, sorry, I rolled back too far there, guys. Okay. Three things, choosing a generator, installing a generator, and fueling a generator. Those are the three big concerns about picking up a generator and how to, how to choose one that we're looking at, okay? So here's the thing. You need to know what you want to run with a generator, okay? So how much do I want to run? Do I want to run my fridge, my freezer, my backup, or sorry, my central air unit? Because if you want to run a central air unit, that's a big, big demand. So if you can eliminate not needing a central air unit, because I've got a, what is it, 92 or 9400 peak watt generator that will not run my central air because of the high draw at the very beginning when it kicks on, right? Uh, now, Haas says, now, he, yes, okay. In fire prone areas, it could be out for weeks or months. I live in far northern California where major fire breaks out every year. Yes, that is true. And an EMP could knock out all of electricity in North America tomorrow. That is possible as well. Now, in fire-prone areas, it is much more likely that it could be for weeks or months. But what we're trying to do is take the first steps to be able to handle a power outage. You know, um, we can make the jump to weeks or months if we want to. But we're trying to get past the average power outage, which means... One out of two power outages I can handle for two hours. And then the next thing we want to do is we want to handle rolling blackouts. And again, for the most part, rolling blackouts shouldn't be for weeks or months. Now, if they are, this is a whole other story. And we're talking about weeks or months of fuel storage. And this is being the minority. Now, it doesn't mean it isn't a thing. It just means that we might have other concerns first. So like I said, first we want to know is how much do we want to run? So make a list of everything in your home you want to be running at the same time and then figure out what the running and the peak wattage is for those. Now, if you need to know how to figure out those, we're going to go back to Mark here as well. Get yourself a very inexpensive kilowatt meter on Amazon. Uh, I think it's Kuman, K-U-M-A-N makes one. I, I probably got one on toolmantim.shop. I know I've got one listed there, but either way, it doesn't matter. Just get yourself one that tells you how much power things use because you want to know the actual usage on this stuff, not just what's on Amazon or what's stamped on the back of it because sometimes, you know, um, local results may vary, right? So you want to know how much power you need. So then add it all up and that'll tell you what wattage you need. And then if that's too much, well, you need to maybe eliminate things or again, cycle through things, right? Now, the next thing you want to know, do I want to have a permanently installed generator? Or for most of us today, we're probably talking about a portable generator, something that either you can pick up like a suitcase or we did a 
um, a generator maintenance run the other day. And I had my wife, this is something I hadn't done before. And so I got Becky to haul the generator out and hook it up. I walked her through it because I realized I've never done that before. I've wanted, I need her to know in case I happen to not be home. The thing's heavy, but it had a good handle and good wheels on it. And it, she was able to get it hooked up with a little bit of, um, you know, help from me. So next time she should be more prepared because I did my job this time, hopefully showing her how to do it because I hadn't done that before. Now, Hunter says he's pretty sure it's a modified sine wave. And I'm guessing for that price, it probably is as well. But that's certainly better than nothing. Uh, Nate says he'd love to hook his 5,500 watt up to the house. I did a poor man's installation. <laughs> if you want to see that, there's a video on my channel about backfeeding. I'm not recommending anything whatsoever. But in a worst case scenario, there's certain things that you might want to know how to do. So first off, do we want to have a portable or not? Know how much we want to run. Next, what type of fuel do we want to run? Now, if you have natural gas piped into your house, you have an unlimited supply of fuel. Now, most people, every time I say that, every time people are like, well, you need to store gasoline because what happens if FEMA turns off the natural gas and they put you in camps and oh my God, just think back, anybody who lives on natural gas, how often has natural gas supply been interrupted? Now, think back to how often power has been interrupted. A hell of a lot more times, right? So I have no problem relying on natural gas as your backup power supply. Doesn't mean I don't store propane and gasoline as well, because I do. But if you got to start somewhere, again, we want to prep for the most likely scenario. And the most likely scenario is power out, natural gas on. Yeah, Hunter says like never. Absolutely. We've lived here almost a decade. We've never lost, lost natural gas. A lot of that has. Now, if you live in an earthquake area... You might want to have different considerations, but again, tap into that natural gas, get yourself a natural gas generator if you have it. Now, if you don't, okay, do you have a great big propane pig or a great big propane tank underground or on your property? If you do, tap into that, have a propane generator. Now, from there, where do we go? All right, so um, now gasoline, do we want to store gasoline? Because that might be what it comes down to. Now, if you live in an apartment. Well, you're kind of limited at that point. Um, what I would recommend would be one of those solar generators or one of those camping battery packs, something that has 500 to 1000 watts of capacity, and then pair it with a portable or temporary solar panels, because nobody's going to get mad at you uh, for hanging a temporary solar panel out your window during a power outage. And if they do, Anyway, probably should live somewhere else, but that might be your best bet if you're living in an apartment, okay? Now, ask yourself, do you want to run extension cords? Or, again, do you want to have one main inlet on the outside of the house, and you want to power it with a big 50-amp cord? Well, that's another consideration. Do you have one of those? Do you need to have it installed? How much is it going to cost to get all of this set up? Do I want to just run extension cords through the doggy door? That's what we used to do, and it was really, really great. Uh, now, what size generator can I handle? Uh, what's in my budget? Again, for Mark, he said $500. Well, that's his budget. Great. What can you get for $500? Start looking around. Look in the flyers. See what you can... See what... See how you can stretch your money better. So, I am going to recommend... Um, I would think, anyway, 
the predator generators. Now, here's the thing: I'm not, uh, I'm not an American, so I don't have access to um, Harbor Freight like you guys do. But I did take a couple of walks through them when I was down there this summer, or sorry, this spring. And I've also have friends who I trust very well who have said the predator generators are great. They tend to go on sale once in a while. Whatever you can do, look for the biggest and baddest predator generator you can get for your $500. Spend your money on the generator. If you got $500, buy a new generator because you're not inheriting someone else's problems. You're getting a warranty with it. You know basically what you have. And then the next thing, uh, Mark, I would say when you're looking at getting a generator, run that damn generator. Because if you spend $500 on a generator and then you put it in your garage and you don't run it for a year or 18 months or what, whatever, it I don't care. If you don't run it for six months, there's a really good chance that when you go to run it, it's not going to want to start. So the big thing is whatever you spend your money on, run it occasionally every month to two months. That way, the best insurance for keeping a generator running is running a generator on a regular basis. It does two things for you. It keeps your generator in tip-top shape, ready to go, and it also teaches you the starting procedure and the setup procedure for your generator. So, you know, for $500, I think you probably should look at kind of the Predator range and then see what you can get. I think they have a little mobile one in the kind of three to 3,500 watt range, which will run a lot of stuff for you. And yeah, I'll do some research, but if anybody else has access to the Harbor Freight Flyer or has seen anything recently, I'm guessing those kind of 3,000 watt generator in the pre for Predator would be in your price range for sure. Be a good place to start. Uh, Haas says, oh, I like this. Here's a good one, guys said, I made a DIY battery bank out of a plastic ammo can from Harbor Freight with a voltmeter. Oh, I like the voltmeter part. A cigarette adapter, USB adapter, an on-off switch, and I used a small 12-volt battery and I charge it with solar panels. Haas, you should do a video. If you haven't done a video or if there's a video out there for the design you used, I'd love to see that. That'd be a fun project to do with the kids just to do, but then you'd have a portable battery bank. And again, if you have batteries around, um, that's another thing. Uh, if you live in an apartment and you have some, say, extra storage space and you're allowed to put a solar panel on the regular uh, out on your balcony or you have a battery charger, uh, hook it up and charge those batteries and you have stored electricity in your, say, storage area that nobody else needs to know about. Now, uh, let's see here. Mark says, um, what if they... Uh, claimed never open or used looking at one for 700 but selling for 500 ryobi 2300 okay it's a tough one now i'm not saying that i wouldn't buy a generator used because there's lots of ways to buy generators used that are inexpensive and a good way to save money first thing i would do is i would go and don't don't let them start the generator till you get there. Put your hand on the generator and make sure it's stone cold. Because I've known people who have, say, jump-started a generator or, you know, got it started with starting fluid just so they could have it up and running and they have it hot so that it starts for you when you get there. But the thing is, you want to know how that generator starts when it's cold, when it hasn't run in a week or two weeks. That's what you need to know. So go and look at it. See what kind of shape it's in. Does it look like it was road hard and put away wet? Well, then walk away. Is it beat up and rusted and cracked? Run away. 
Um, if it's never been used, it's never been opened, if it's new in the box, then you know what? You might be able to get away with it. Um, here, so Liberty Meat, I'm going to bring, I'm going to read this off to you. Thank you, Liberty. I really appreciate that. Wow. Okay. Oh, I wish I could. Oh, you know what? I'm going to see if we can share this, guys. Just hang on here. Oh, well, you know what? Anyway, so Predator right now has a 4,375 watt generator for $4.99. Now, if that Ryobi 2300, I'm guessing is 2300 watts. If you, uh, okay, so this comes with, this is a large fuel tank, GFCI outlets, and a carbon monoxide shutdown, which is fairly important. Uh, Snail Creek says the uh, 6,500 Predator is on sale now as well. Um, I'm not sure how much that's on for, but this is a great, that is a great buy. I just, I don't know how they sell. And I've heard great things from a lot of people about the Predators. I really would look at that, Mark. I, if you're looking for a brand new one, um, and I'm pretty sure Harbor Freight stands behind their stuff. Oh, okay. Wow. 6,500 Predator is 449 right now. So check it out. It's a great way to stretch your money. I just don't think you can buy a better quality generator for less money. I just don't. But, you know, if you're looking at used, okay. But if that's a Ryobi, if that's 2,300 watts, geez, look at the Harbor Freight ones because you, you'll get a really good generator there. I just, especially if it's your first generator and you're just getting used to running a generator, there's just so much can go wrong if it's not brand new. Now, if it's never been opened, again, if it's set for a long time, the issue you might have is rotten rubber. Now, I mean, if it's set for a year, well, you're probably okay. But I mean, if it's set for five years, well, you might have fuel lines that have gotten a little bit wonky. You might have diaphragms in your carburetors that are all seized up or stuck in place and that could be a whole nother story you just don't want to I, I hate i hate to recommend to people um i just i it, buy something new for your first go around it might cost a little more but you're just going to have a little better peace of mind liberty over on uh telegram says they have killer add-on warranties too for cheap so yeah get yourself, you know, just take a look and see, because for four, 449 for a 6,500 Predator and maybe an add-on warranty, I don't know what the price is, you're set, man. Like, I just, I think that's a great place to go. And there's other ones. Like, I I own a Furman tri-fuel generator that I love, and Furman makes a really good generator. I think they're just below Generac and Honda, because those are the top two, Generac and Honda. And then you go down a step, and you've got Predator, you've got Furman, you've got Champion, you've got Westinghouse. All of those are kind of the next step down. And then below that are those absolute generics you've never heard of before. But I, yeah, I would say, man, if you're looking at getting a generator, figure out exactly what you need to run. Because a lot of times we need to run less than we think. And we need to run things for a less period of time than we necessarily think. Now, I'm not saying buy less than a generator than you need. What I would say is buy as much of a generator as you can afford because it's always better to run a generator. Well, I don't know. I don't want to put this. It tends to be better on the generator to run them at kind of half capacity because if you have more power than you need, you're not going to overtax your generator and wear it out on a, you know, a quicker basis. So I hope that helps. Mark, if you've got other questions here, throw them out. We'll, uh, we'll keep answering or I'll keep, if you can specify a little bit more too. And then, of course, you know, for whatever you get, you got to think about where you're going to store it. You got to think about how you're going to access it when you need it and how you're going to haul it out in time to, 
uh, use it properly. Now, like I said, um, I don't know. The used ones, I would just stay away from for your very first go around. That's just my opinion because you can. And I again, I have a whole other video I did a while back on how to buy a used generator, which works for how to buy just about any used gas-powered equipment. Uh, thanks, Brian. Always appreciate you coming in. Um, but yeah, so check that out as well. But I think it's great. Um, now, as far as Mark, uh, I, I hate to keep picking on you, man, but you're new and you're here. If you want to hang out and find out some more stuff too, if you happen to use Telegram, uh, the Telegram group is our favorite place to hang out and chat. And you can ask questions all the time. I mean, you can you can email me at therealtimcook at gmail.com as well. Uh, but I'm going to see uh, if we can get you the link here. So we'll just copy that. I'm going to paste. So here is for anybody who isn't part of the Telegram group yet. If you want to come by, that's the easiest place for all of us to keep up. And if you have more questions, I'm always willing to answer them because uh, yeah, I could talk about generators all day long. <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. So yeah, guys, I hope that helps. I wanted to keep this show to about an hour. I want even that's a little longer than I'd planned, but I want this to be shareable. I want this to be the type of thing that we can send out to, that we can share on social media that doesn't sound like we're a bunch of fear-mongering people because we're not. We want people to be prepared. We want people to take the first steps and we want to help people. We've all been there. Every one of us came to preparedness for a reason, whatever that fear or nervousness or need or want, whatever it happened to be, brought us to wanting to be more prepared. We all started from somewhere. So if you're listening to this and this is your first time, don't be scared to reach out and ask questions. If this happened to be somebody like a friend or a family member that shared it with you, ask them, say, hey, where do I start? What do I do? It seems so overwhelming. And CNN tells me that there's going to be, you know, week-long power outages all summer long. And I'm, you know, no, just take a breath, relax, make a plan, look at what you have, take your time, figure it out, ask somebody if you have to, but most importantly, deal with all of it beforehand so that you don't feel completely overwhelmed when and if the power actually does go out for a little while. That's it. Simple as that. All right, guys. I hope you appreciate this. This was a great episode. I tell you all the time. I, I love that you come and hang out with me. Uh, even, you know, Thursday night, we had a great crowd in here. And uh, yes, um, I think it, Haas, let's see here. Haas sent a link. Uh, let's see, battery, okay. And we'll, we'll go back through and find the links afterwards. But three quick things here, guys. If you want, uh, Saturday, um, we are going to do, I'm going to do another, every so often I do the movie episodes, the list ones. If Lady Lou is listening, she's going to be excited. I'm going to do, I was going to do it last week, and then I had an extra special guest drop by, so that was way more fun. I'm going to do my top underground bunker movies. So this will be, again, you know, shit hit the fan, whatever you want to call it but it's going to be movies dealing with underground bunkers. Uh, I'm excited. It, I got a good list for you. Uh, might even have a special guest drop by who asked me who would love to be part of this, and I'd love for her to be part of it as well. But it's been a while since I did a movie episode, so that'll be Saturday night. Sunday night, it's going to be Josh from Liberty Meat, or otherwise known as the Renegade Butcher, chatting about all things meat and processing. And all these are always 7 o'clock mountain time, guys, unless otherwise stated. So he's going to be coming by. It's going to be another great episode. Always looking forward to it. And of course, the big one, don't forget, Thursday night, that was me here on PBN. So check out the uh, 
Prepper Broadcast Network tomorrow for my buddy Carl A.D. Brown. He has The Strange Truth, where he talks about the news stories that nobody else wants to with a uh, with a, a bent toward Christianity. Uh, thank you, Mark, for dropping by. I just love it. I always love seeing new names in here. I uh, appreciate it. It's good. And we have an awesome community here, guys, where we just love to share. So thanks for dropping by, guys. And you guys always know, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.